This is a news roundy podcast and you're listening to NL Playoffs. Hello, welcome to NL Playoffs. This is round 4 of our uh, budding podcast. My name is Gautam. I have with me my co-host Aniket. Aniket say hi. Hello everyone. Uh we have another busy couple of weeks of uh, sports. Uh we have a few things to cover actually today. So Uh, I think we should get straight into it. But Aniket, how has your uh, sports week or two been so far? It's been interesting, uh, chaotic, uh, but fun nevertheless, as always. Yeah. So we we actually have uh, a few things to cover today. We'll do uh, some tennis. We'll just briefly touch on the uh, Formula One season as well as uh, some stuff from uh, India at the Under Twenty uh, uh, World Championships as well as the Paralympics. Uh, we also have. Uh, a big uh, uh, series going on uh, between india and england we'll go through that as well uh, but let's get into what's made the news recently aniket so as we all know the us open's going to begin soon and uh, the qualifiers are actually happening the qualification rounds for us open but there is actually some sad and distressing news for the williams sister fans so serena williams has actually withdrawn due to a last minute hamstring injury I mean there were uh, issues she had I think during the Wimbledon as well but now uh, it's confirmed that she's her hamstring injury recovery is going to take longer than expected so she's dropped off from the tournament and she happens to be I think the sixth major uh, player now to actually drop off so we have Roger Federer who's not coming in we have Rafael Nadal who's not going to be playing and then uh, so there's Venus Williams and then there is uh, who else do you, can you remember got the case yeah so it's actually xenia uh, is on my twitter uh, uh, follows now xenia uh, dikuna if you haven't listened to our last episode please go ahead and do listen to that so she, uh, she actually tweeted a very interesting thing apparently this is the first time since 97 uh, neither serena williams or uh, federer or nadal played in the us open so it's what 21 plus 24 years uh so in the last 24 years one of federer nadal and serena williams have played in the us open now that venus has also pulled out uh it's going to be a weird uh, uh us open but i i think it's uh, on the men's side at least it's open it's wide open for djokovic to uh go to number 21 grand slam yeah and it seems to be his for the taking and i mean you cannot call it so early but you know i'm excited to see how he performs in us open and if i was a bookie if i was betting i would put my money on djokovic to actually come out of the calendar slam but then that's me i was 100% sure that he would win the olympic gold so there we go I, that did not come true at all uh, because i he was in red hot form going into the olympics and i and i thought there's no way he's going to not win the gold uh, but yeah not to be but i'm sure he'll be raring to go to get that calendar slam Yeah that's it and it will you know send him on the history books he's anyway going to be there you know written in bold letters along with Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer but this is another cap to his another feather to his cap sorry <laughs> yeah we also have uh, Sofia Kenin who's pulled out from the US Open because she tested for COVID-19 and she's fifth uh, ranked and she's apparently had her covid vaccine taken so uh, this is uh, news worrisome also for the vaccinated folks and we also know that covid can strike even after your vaccination but here's another 
you know, big shot celebrity who's uh, encountered and dealing with repercussions of COVID. And then Naomi Osaka is going to be on the courts. So Gotham, I'm sure you must be excited to see her in action because she's going to be playing uh, her third. I think she's going to attempt for her third title. Yes. And uh, she's also and there her there is Ashley Barty who's going to be uh, playing for her US Open after a spectacular win at the Olympics. Uh, at the Wimbledon actually. Sorry, I at the Wimbledon. She yeah. crashed out of the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Naomi Osaka's tournament is the US Open. Uh, she will I, I'm pretty sure she will go in as the favorite. Uh, but off late she's been devoid of any match practice. Uh, she crashed out early in the Olympics. Uh, that was her uh, her big tournament of uh, the year for her, I think, the Olympics because she carried uh, the flag uh, for Japan and she was there are high hopes but she could not uh, meet the expectations there but Naomi now Naomi Osaka I think feels at home uh, in the US Open uh, in the, in Flushing Meadows so uh, she's definitely going in as a favorite but I think Ashley Barty it's interesting with uh, women once Serena crashes out it it almost feels like a musical chess as to who wins each grand slam because if if not for Serena it's it's you know uh, it's Ashley Barty is there uh, Naomi Osaka is there you know it could be anybody so it'll be interesting to see what happens and I know a bit of a teaser for uh, next episode I guess we hope to have a subscriber on uh, for next time to recap the US Open he is uh, a big tennis enthusiast so we are really looking forward to having him on as well so he will give us I'm sure a much more in-depth uh, analysis than our uh, shallow analysis here for sure i'm looking forward to that but it does seem to be this the state seems to be set for naomi osaka to redeem herself after especially what has happened in japan and uh, the expectations that were set and unfortunately uh, she crashed out early but it flushing meadows seems to be the place where uh, she would like to get back on track and you know it's her title to lose according to me and remember she ha- she kind of pulled out of the wimbledon she had to pull out of the french open so this is the last grand slam of this year so i'm sure she'll be raring to go so we'll see what happens she has a really good uh, hard court game so definitely uh, want to watch out for yeah and also in the men's qualification so we saw prajnesh guneswaran actually progress uh, after beating Braden Schner of Canada. So I briefly saw the highlights. Did you get to? No, I did not. I know you watched the highlights. Yeah, briefly I saw the highlights, and it was interesting. He has seemed to have some really good shots up his sleeve, and it was a nice game. He won in straight sets. So the second one went to tiebreaker, though, so it was slightly close. But uh, he seemed comfortable and poised. So let's see where the uh, Indian talent takes us. But I'm excited. to see uh, players yeah, playing. Yeah, Jude tells us uh, in his, in his uh, by the way, producer Jude is producing a podcast. So thanks to him. Uh, so he mentioned in the notes that uh, he's 31 years old. So it's just kind of interesting that I thought he would be much younger. I've not heard of Prajnesh before. So this is my first time, Mia Kalpa. So yeah, uh, he qualified to the second round. He's 31 years old. So we'll see what how far he goes. Uh, because I know uh, uh, Sumit Nagal, who's always on the rounds, doing the rounds in the tennis circuit, his, uh, he crashed out as well as uh, Ram Kumar Ramanand, who's another guy uh, who is on the circuit of late. So both of them failed to qualify for the US Open. So... Uh, we'll see what happens to Prajnesh. Uh, no high expectations, but it will always nice to see uh, uh, an Indian uh, men's player once in a while to play in the singles. We've always been accustomed to either women's singles players or uh, men's doubles players. So this will be nice. 
For sure. And I think it's very promising, right? I mean, you can't expect an Indian player to come on the scene and just to win the US Open. So I'm excited that we have folks who are at least competing at one of the highest levels. And I think this is a step because you don't get to the podium without taking this step. So this is exciting news for uh, tennis, men's tennis especially, in a long time. Yeah, 100% sure. Uh, the one good thing about US Open for you and me, Aniket, is that both of us live in America. So, at long last, we have a tournament which is convenient to our time zone. So, I'm hoping to catch uh, some of the US Open and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about this uh, in our next uh, episode. So, uh, more on that uh, to follow. Uh, but l- tell me, I know you are the Formula 1 uh, uh, addict slash follower on between you and me. I'm I follow it, but not as much as you do. Uh, do you want to give us just a brief uh, recap or where things stand uh, this season? I know we have we are recording this on twenty uh, seventh of August, India time, uh, in the morning. So, if you want to give us a quick update as to where things stand, sure. So, Formula One has going to resume this weekend after its summer break. So, we have like the first half of the season that's done. And it's been super exciting, uh, this first half at least. So there is a great competition between Red Bull. So finally, they've stepped that game up. And their driver, Max... At long last. Yeah, and it. I think it was uh, waiting to happen because it's been six years. Mercedes have been running unchallenged. I think they fight only among themselves. So their top two drivers are generally the ones who are fighting for a championship. But now you have the young Max Verstappen, who is very exciting to watch and... The season is very interesting because Max was actually leading until the last Grand Prix. And now Lewis Hamilton's taken the lead by eight points. So it's very interesting to see how the season will go. And, uh, you know, Red Bull have two really strong drivers in Verstappen and Sergio Perez. So I really look forward to what's going to come out of this season. Yeah, I really hope, uh, I think we discussed this a little briefly in one of our episodes, but I really hope Max Verstappen does it this time. It's it's so boring to have one uh, big, one guy winning it all. It's It gets repetitive and mono, monotonous. But yeah, things have really kicked off. There's been some kind of drama in every race. Uh, I know the Belgium Grand Prix is coming up in a couple of days' time. So we'll see what happens. Hamilton is now up by eight points. Uh, Mercedes seem to be pretty good. But uh, let me ask you this, Aniket. I know rules are changing next season, right? It's Would it mean that it's more of a level playing field from next season? Yes. So that's the hope, right? So we can't, I mean, we can only uh, predict what's uh, what the experts are saying. But the whole idea of changing the rules is actually to make it a level playing field for the folks, for the cars that are at the back of the grid. So the idea is that you want tighter races and more interesting races to happen. So the sheer dominance you see now by Mercedes, we are hoping won't exist anymore because the cars have been changed. So you're going to have a new set of cars, newly designed cars, where they expect that the cars that are following will be able to now overtake much easier. And, you know, you can follow much closer than you can actually do now because there's a lot of aerodynamics which comes into play in Formula One, which which is what excites me in this uh sport but yeah so these cars are being designed uh, to make the race more interesting and i'm really looking forward to the next season aren't the engines changing too a little bit they are so the engines the tires the cars uh you know it's almost an o- overhaul that's happening so you know the red bull's current manufacturers who are honda so this is their final season with red bull so they actually came in two seasons back they've done a good job but it seems to be an unsustainable business for them. So they are bailing out of Formula One for now, at least. So Red Bull is going to be making their own power units from the next uh, season onwards. So 
it's going to be exciting. I mean, uh, it's going to open, you know, the box for everyone to just throw a spanner in and see who, you know, who stands where. Yeah, that, that is exciting. Uh, Red Bull from uh, energy drinks to power units and Formula One engines. They run the whole gamut when it comes to making things. You know what? When you say it like that, we should once talk about Red Bull, the energy <laughs> drink team and its contribution to sport. Because it's pretty interesting, the stuff they are doing and stuff they have done. So, yeah, but yeah. for sure. They have their uh, uh, sponsorships and all of that in uh, the Bundesliga as well. So, they have a whole... RB Leipzig, right? That's that is their team. So they have a whole team named after them. So it's it's very interesting how much uh, how widespread they are in Europe in the world of sports. For so sure, they're also in like looking forward to Formula One. Yeah, and they're also in like adventure sports. You know, you see them in various adventure sports. So we'll talk about that on another podcast. I think that's a good uh, thing to keep on our bucket list for uh, the future. With that being said, so there's news from India. So Gautam, I know we briefly spoke about this, but. So a lot of things have been happening around uh, Neera Chopra's gold medal, which was India's one gold medal after like, I don't know how many years. And, you know, so he was apparently annoyed or uh, I don't know, I'd, for lack of a better word, not satisfied because he missed actually the Diamond League because of all the felicitation ceremonies that he's had. He couldn't train and he also fell sick uh, during this time. So he came out with what I loved and uh, was a powerful statement and he says India can't and should not be satisfied with one gold medal. So that, you know, really talks about him as a person and what he wants to achieve. So I I was really proud when I heard that and I think he's setting the direction uh, for Indian sport at least by being vocal about, you know, these uh, things uh, that are happening after the Olympics. Any thoughts on that? No, yeah, for sure. Uh, the, the one thing that definitely comes across, I know we discussed this uh, with Xenia last, uh, in the last episode as well, is he is very single-minded in what he does. He's very, uh, like, very goal-oriented, very focused on what he does best, which is throwing a javelin, right? So I think all of these become unavoidable once you win the gold medal and once you become uh, one of the only gold medalists you know, in the Olympics, you're going to get a lot of attention. All of the politicians, all of the sponsors will want to jump on your bandwagon and ride your wave, so to speak, right? So he was probably, it is it is all probably new to him. I think things will settle down now that he's issued, he's making all the right noises, even uh, with, uh, there was a storm in a teacup a little bit. It's, it's a classic case of social media outrage, right? When he spoke about, uh, his javelin being, uh, he's just you know in his interview he was talking about why he appeared so rushed in, in for his first throw, uh, and he he was explaining as to how he couldn't find his javelin and he found it uh, with uh, his uh, fellow athlete from Pakistan Arshad Nadeem because I, I think he must have been holding it by mistake or something and he just asked for it and he just gave it to him and that was that 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 was all he said he explained that he was he appeared little hurried because somebody else had his javelin. That was a, not a big deal to him. It didn't affect his overall performance. But then, you know, all of the uh, wonderful and nice people on Twitter had to jump on uh, uh, this Pakistani guy and say, oh, look what they're doing and all of that stuff. So I really liked how he issued the clarification. I was very disappointed that the people who are taking me and are so big and are making me so big. So I want to say that you don't do that. The sports are all together. चलना सिखाता है और हम सभी जेवलिन थ्रो और आपस में प्यार से रहते हैं सभी आपस में अच्छे से बात करते हैं 
As I said, the, to to the topic that you spoke about, and also about this, he's making all the right nice. He seems to have a really nice head on his shoulders. For sure, hundred percent. And he also clarified as to how you know the javelin came into Arshad Deep's hands. जो हमारी पर्सनल जावलिन होती है, वो हम उसमें रखते हैं, पर उसको सभी थ्रोवर उसको यूज कर सकते हैं. ये रूल है. तो बिल्कुल ऐसा उसमें कोई गलत नहीं है कि वो जावलिन लेके वो प्रिपेयर कर रहा था अपनी थ्रो के लिए. So it seemed to happen that Ashwin, I mean timing. It seemed to happen that he was holding the javelin, and uh, yeah. But I'm really proud of the way he's, you know, uh, told India to you know get back to work, guys. I mean, uh, as athletes, we've celebrated. I think it's really good. Even the politicians, I think uh, the message the politicians should have given has been given by our gold medal winner. So I think it's uh, bravo. Good, more more power to him. Yeah, I think that also makes sense now that he said why he appeared hurried because when I was watching his first throw you could see he was he was he felt like he was all over the place you know he was uh, I spoke about this last time also he was uh, making sure his belt was okay his javelin falls off he picks it up his and then all of a sudden he's ready to go because he felt like he was running out of time almost but then again it didn't really affect him 87.03 meters on his first throw so he set the bar really high right up front so didn't didn't bother him as much yeah for sure and you know i'm sure we're going to talk more about neeraj chopra as this podcast progresses cuz i i'm i expect a lot from him and he's going to make us proud again it's this is and definitely forget, not the end yeah and don't forget olympics are only 3 years away now not 4 years away 2024 we'll have the olympics already in paris for sure so. and there's also the asian games coming up next year right so Correct. i'm i'm going i'm guessing we're going to see a lot of our track and field athletes bring glory to us with that being said so there's also the paralympics that are happening in tokyo this time so unfortunately i have not been able to keep up i am only following the news as to what's happening gautam uh, you know have you been keeping uh, in touch with what's happening on this front I'm on the same boat as you, Aniket. Uh, Mia Kalpa twice now. I've I've not been able to catch any of the Paralympics. I barely caught um, the important Olympic sports owing to our time zones and whatnot. And I don't think they're showing uh, all the Paralympics live. I think they're showing a few on NBC Sports here, but that is about it. Uh, but anyway, I'll let you do the talking about this. So yeah, I mean, just to add, uh, this is not justifying anything, but. I could not actually find the pa- Indian athletes at least on Paralympics on NBC Sport here so that was one thing but with that being said uh, you know a lot of Indians are making us proud so our uh, Indian para shuttler Pramod Bhagat he has given a statement about his mindset and he wants to bring two medals back uh, gold medals so it's not two medals but it's two gold medals back to India from the Tokyo Paralympics and he's also the ace shuttler now so he's you know world number 1 in India so yeah more power to him and i hope he brings uh, glory to us i'm going to do my best though as a you know i'm taking a promise to myself that to follow this paralympics a little bit more than i would normally do so i'm going to try and keep up to see what's happening yeah yeah he has he has a gold and single as well singles as well as the doubles uh uh badminton in the world championships i think yeah it is para, para badminton world championships so he's the defending champion uh, he is clearly the world number one so if he says two gold medals that would be great man so there's also bhavina ben patel who's now gone on to the who's reached the knockout stages so she beat she beat a great britain's athlete megan shackleton in a thrilling match in a group a match and the score was 3-1 
so more power to her as well yeah and also uh, speaking of uh, the track and field uh, thanks for sharing this with me aniket during this week you shared with me the 4 by 400 mixed medley of the world under 20 championships that, is, that have been going on uh, where india won the bronze that was kind of a very you know very cool race to watch it, it the indians did really well they were, i thought they would win the silver for a second there because they're they're uh, cutting it very very close at the very end but look at india go well, the medals are going to be between these three athletes is it going to be poland nigeria or india for the first ever medals in this mixed four by 400 meters yeah so i yeah you know once i saw that video i i i shared it with anyone and everyone cuz it just brought so much joy to me so you were one of the victims of <laughs> that forward <laughs> that i did but yeah i really enjoyed watching that especially the way our athletes ran and it was really close right i mean you know more power to them yeah uh hopefully this is under 20 so all of them are very young and the cool thing is they've introduced the medley competitions in both the swimming and the olympics i think as well as the track and field now i think track and field mixed medley uh, in uh, and also swimming mixed medley was introduced for the first time in the in the tokyo olympics this year if i'm not wrong so that is a that is a really cool thing to watch you know as to how those dynamics play out you know obviously the women are little slower than the their men counterparts but it's also very interesting to see who you know gets paired up against uh, whom and how th- that strategy works i'm sure we'll see a lot of uh, analytics go into that in the future as well a lot of number crunching i'm sure is involved um i know uh, uh, this is again thanks to jude who pointed out that uh, we were talking about the world under 20 championships uh, shaili singh uh, who has won the silver medal at the world under 20 championships uh, by the way this is happening in uh, kenya in nairobi uh, with a jump of 6.59 meters so she just Uh, I think missed out on gold by one centimeter to uh, the sweet the Swedish athlete. Uh, so that is that is very impressive to see. Mostly because Anju Bobby George, who is uh, the who won the bronze in the 2003 World Championship, is very very uh, confident and bullish about uh, Shaili Singh. Uh, and she she I think yeah she said that she's going to break her uh, national record of 6.83 meters. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, uh, Shaili does big things now. She's still under twenty, but hopefully, uh, this is a sign of big, bigger things to come. Yeah, to be more precise, she's seventeen years old. So you know, she has her full career in front of us, and I'm sure it's going to be you know powerful. Especially, so I'm not sure, but I believe Anju Bobby George is actually coaching her in in some uh, aspect. I'm not clear entirely clear on the their exact relation. Like, did she just comment on it? But I believe uh, I read somewhere that she was actually uh, coaching. She's closely involved in her success. So you know, having her as a coach is pretty good. Yeah, hundred percent. So there's also Amit Khatri who actually won the silver medal in uh, the ten thousand meter race walk. So he was leading throughout actually and he got overtaken at the last uh you know last leg of the race which was uh, sad to see but uh, nevertheless it's a silver medal and it's very promising cuz so to be honest I've been guilty of not following track and field very closely and when I see these under 20 athletes who are actually winning world championship you know medals I only see good things coming for India in the future you know so these guys are these guys are taking on the next generation of athletes so all these guys whom they are beating are actually the contemporaries and who are going to grow up and play the next olympics and compete in the next olympics so it feels very uh, reassuring and promising in the direction at least in which India is uh, moving so far 100% that's for sure so that mostly wraps up the 
India and the under 20 world championships but Indian team is also in action at England and we are playing cricket so Gautam I'd like you to take over and walk us through what's so, happening it's very interesting uh, we, we were uh, me and Jude were just discussing as to how the timing of this podcast has worked out in such a way that anything that we say about uh, cricket immediately goes gets outdated <laughs> as we speak we are in the middle of the third test between india and england uh, things not looking good at all for india after the tremendous high of the lords win a lords test match um, they came to uh, leeds in headingley actually virat kohli won the toss and chose to bat and they were immediately skittled the game uh, the test match is virtually over after 3 hours of day 1 you know after i think yeah immediately after the lunch session uh they're bundled out for 78 so 78 all out doesn't look well and as if that is not enough at the end of day 2 where we are standing now uh in england are 423 for 8 uh joe root by the way is looking in just tremendous he's he's hit some kind of a purple patch nobody seems to be able to figure him out and he's had i think yeah, i was read, reading somewhere that he's well on course well not well on course but he's on course to beat bradman's record of uh, most runs against a single team in a calendar year uh, but then bradman did it in seven innings and root is kind of trying to get to him uh, he has, he has 13 innings so far so that tells you the measure of uh, how great bradman was uh, but anyway yeah it's the game was over by in 3 hours of uh, i'm i'm going to call this aniket there's no way india's coming back in this third, in this test i'll tell you that it's 78 all out now england are 423 for 8 with lead of 335 or 45 runs yeah not not looking good but we'll definitely do a recap once the series is done we'll do a whole uh, series recap to make to hit all of the high points but I do want to talk briefly about the Lords win. I know you saw the, did you did you watch any of it? Go ahead. So I want to make one comment here interject and I want to say it's never over until it's over. The eternal optimistic optimist in me says yeah it's going to be I don't yeah there's the slightest of chance for a comeback. I know it's not possible but you know what let's see let's hope. Like hope keeps know, us alive. Uh, hope keeps us moving. Let's keep <laughs> moving. Yeah. I know I have a uh, I have a friend who we we often discuss you know even if let's say uh, the opposing team has has been set a target of let's say in the fourth innings like a target of 32 or something right to win it's 32 runs needed we, we usually before the innings start we say you know who knows you know it's the last day day 4 day 5 sometimes they're playing in India for example oh this this the pitch may turn all of a sudden Ashwin might get three or four on the trot or something and who knows it's an open game but it never happens trust me it never happens for sure i i agree with you so my brain wants to agree with you uh, there is this uh, you know always that underdog story that i'm always chasing so i've noticed this pattern in me when i'm like even watching a game where i'm neutral right i don't support a side yeah there is this part in me that always wants that underdog story to come true i don't know why and i'm i'm sure it's with a lot of people but now that the cards are uh, down and everything's down i don't know how team india will come back from this i seriously don't know i don't think they would but let's hope for magic yeah <laughs> yeah i think the one thing that happens with these collapses is that everything either seems to find the edge so every good ball seems to find the edge to the keeper or the slips or you know every small mistake or every big mistake that the batsman commit usually seems to be punished immediately you know for example rohit sharma played like a half hearted tried to hook a ball but he was half hearted in it he was playing very cautiously up until then so i think he looked at the shot ball and tried to hook it but he was caught in two minds and he kind of played a false shot it was a it was kind of a mistake but then that 
the 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 ball found the fielder literally and on silly mid on it was like a weird position so it was one of those days where nothing was going for uh, going well for india you know sure batsmen play some foul shots but they also play some foul shots when they get a century it doesn't mean uh, every foul shot finds an edge right so you always see batsmen playing and missing but it is one of those days we also looked at the same thing when uh, they were bowled out for 36 i think they are 36 all out in adelaide last year so it's why it was one of those bad bad days for india when nothing seemed to go right for them so i again disagree i'll tell you why because i don't think this was a bad day for the indian batsmen I think this has been a problem that's festering for some time now where uh, the top order seems to I don't know collapse for a lack of a better word like bowling pins and I observed this was even true in the Lords game I think the bowlers the tail enders got us out of that uh, you know yes. situation we were in so at that point I say that it was not bad shots but I think there is something going on with this uh, batting order and you know people have to dig in deep to analyze what's actually happening and why our batsmen are actually letting us down because in my opinion i think the bowlers are helping us win games now and they're coming stepping in for example i think this is a good segue into the lords game like shami and bumrah the innings they played yeah was i think what saved us i mean uh, apart from the bowling that uh, you know the all these uh, pacers put in i think it was these guys who came and actually uh, gave us hope Absolutely there is there's no doubt I mean India going into day 5 of the lords test it was either going to be in my mind I was thinking it was either going to be an England win or a draw there was no way that India was going to win considering where uh, where things stood because I you know Rahane and uh, Pujara tried to had that uh, you know a, a, not a brief but a long longer innings I think they had a 100 run partnership between them they tried to steady things down but then Rahane just looks uh, kind of woefully out of form to me at the moment but he he got out and then the wickets fell and then all of a sudden out of the blue Shami Shami it's not as if he can't bat he's a you know he has an eye for batting he can slog and stuff uh, they were talking about how uh, Vikram Rathod the batting coach has been working with the tailenders they well tailenders apparently we can't use anymore it's the lower middle it's the lower batting order or the lower middle order how you want to call it uh, so Vikram Rathod has been working with all of these guys so Bumrah is not a slogger or a big time hitter or anything like that he's he's a blo- he's, he's mostly tries to play defense just like Ishan Sharma but uh, yeah it just so happened that uh, Shami found his groove uh, Bumrah was able to stick on for a little bit and they put on an 89 run partnership and that was a turning point there's absolutely no doubt about it without that partnership i think england would have been set a target much much less than 272 which they were eventually set right so it was uh 180 or 185 but you're 100% right there is uh the the indian batting order especially the middle order seems to be very brittle right now uh, nobody seems to be in touch virat doesn't help that virat kohli is struggling uh he has been in uh, i think it's been over close to 18 months i think since he got a last uh, century in tests which is uh, very 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 rare for him but he's in one of those patches where he's not in form at all rahane looks uh very edgy doesn't look right to me to be honest with you but then the good thing is this indian team has a tremendous depth so there are, there are a lot of people waiting in the wings so uh, it won't be too long before we see i think shreyas ayer or the likes of surkumar adav i think who has really good technique for all forms of the game so yeah we'll see what happens but definitely a uh, thing to be concerned about as far as the batting goes uh, for india but i think we are talking about the lords test right aniket tell me what you liked about it it was such a anything that is related to test cricket anything that is has drama on day 5 i'm all in that's my favorite thing to watch in cricket for sure 
i mean it is uh, the classic cricket uh, you know in action i mean five days uh, you're tested i think for five long days and it's it's an yeah i i love uh, test cricket and i love watching it with my dad so you know it's it's one of the best things i ever get to do is watch test cricket with my sit beside my dad and watch it and yeah that's one of the best things i remember my childhood going that way through but about the lords game uh, i loved the bouncer competition you know i think uh, it worked against england uh, especially when they were trying to do it i think that's what helped uh, shami and uh, yes. bumra in their game where you know i think it was a tactical mistake by england to actually try and uh, do the same thing that india was actually trying to do to them so yeah i mean that was uh, what i uh, caught out of the whole uh, series so it ca- it all kicked off when uh, james anderson was uh, uh, batting uh, in the first innings uh, bumrah was bowling to him and he kind of peppered him with a few short balls he was trying to fend off i think he got hit once and he had he bowled a bunch of no balls too so it was like a 10 ball over to james anderson and james anderson is notoriously known to be one of the most grumpiest cricketers around he is always uh, talking to the opposition players he's, he seems to be a very unpleasant player to play against let's put it that way uh, so he really did not like it so as he was going uh, out i think yeah shami bowled him uh, in that in that uh, first innings and then as they were going heading back to the pavilion there were some words exchanged for some reason that really got to uh, james anderson and when uh, shami and bumra bumra came into the middle they really tried to instead of attacking their stumps or attack just you know bowling like stock balls to find the edge or something uh, they spread out the field there was like five or six players in the deep um trying to pepper them with short balls they got carried away as you said um which was a huge huge i think tactical blunder because that meant that they put, they were able to put on uh, a partnership of 89 which was which turned out to be uh, the key thing that happened which eventually you know led to their downfall but there's uh, no doubt that this indian bowling lineup is the best ever for india there's no i mean absolutely no doubt about it there's like shami and bumrah who are just amazing at what they do ishan sharma has all of a sudden for the last 3 years has found his groove in test match cricket after playing 60 test matches or something because i thought he was a very ordinary test match bowler but now he has found his groove he's bowling much fuller it's unbelievable what this bowling unit has been doing and then mohammad siraj i mean my goodness so i was watching if if uh, people haven't been watching this I, I i highly recommend watching uh, ashwin's uh, youtube channel if an india win that is the channel you want to go to to see exactly what happened behind the scenes don't go there uh, if india lost because he doesn't usually put anything up when india loses <laughs> um, so he was talking about how uh, the bowling coach bharat arun uh, was working with siraj and siraj actually has this stock ball his his new found stock ball where he it's, it's like a cutter it's like an off cutter where he uses a scramble seam and rolls his, rolls his fingers over the ball but he does it at a pace so it's not like a slower ball he does it at a pace so the ball comes it comes down on a scramble seam pitches and goes out to the left hander so that he has been just bowling 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 that away and you know he kept using that ball quite a bit and that he kept attacking the stumps uh, for the left hander especially he kind of kept it just outside the off stump it's found he was finding edges all around but my goodness what a live wire for sure and i did love the indian aggressive bowling it was good to see uh, especially that bumrah's over like i mean it is you know i i felt that the batsman was on the edge especially when it went 10 balls it felt you could see that the batsman was uncomfortable actually uh, facing this over and it 
it feel felt good because I've not seen uh, it's I would say I've not seen, but it's been a long time that I've seen an Indian pacer actually torment someone who is standing. I remember uh, Irfan Patan doing it in Australia. Yeah, uh, that's one of the memories that I have. But it's been a while, uh, and that was for a different reason, right? He was swinging left, right, and center, but this was like short balls, and the over kept going. You know, <laughs> it's like. I don't know it was uh, a tactic or what it was but those no balls actually put the batsman off is what I thought. Yeah, it also I think it also speaks to the greatness of uh, Jimmy Anderson that he came back in the next test match and immediately bounced back. You know what his figures were? 8 overs, 5 maidens, 3 wickets, 6 runs <laughs> in the India. Uh, he just came back. I, I think he set up Rahul. He kind of kept bowling him in swingers. I think 3 or 4 straight in swingers and then he just bowled one that left the batsman and uh, Rahul just got suckered into playing that drive. Uh, so yeah, he's an amazing bowler. He's 40 years old and is still going strong, James Anderson. Wonderful, wonderful bowler to watch. Again, appears very grumpy, not a great great guy to uh see when he's sledging and all of that stuff, but amazing, amazing uh uh bowler. One thing that I also want to talk about about the Lord's test was we we're talking about the bowling here. I really want to talk about uh one one moment in particular when Bumrah got uh, Ollie Robinson out with that slow delivery. It was just an amazing sequence of uh, thinking, right? Of tactics. So, Ollie Robinson was, you know, he's a decent bat. He he can defend the ball. He's he was playing with no back lift whatsoever with his bat. He was just playing everything onto the ground. He was leaving all the short balls. He was keeping all the yorkers away. So, Bumrah in this over sets uh, you know, tried a yorker, tried a short ball, tried a yorker again. He was defending everything. Then is then he said, "Okay, let me change uh, my angle." So, he started bowling around the wicket, right? So fourth and fifth balls were two short balls I think so he was obviously caught a little bit on the back foot now remember if you're bowl if you're right hand fast bowler if you're bowling around the wicket there's very little chance of a batsman getting lbw because invariably the ball is either pitching outside the leg stump which means you can't be out lbw or the angle of the ball even if it pitches on line it takes you away from the off stump so, so there's very little chance of uh getting a batsman out lbw if you're bowling from around the wicket but i don't know what he thought what his thinking was but this is the mark of how good uh, jasprit bumrah is fourth and fifth balls are short balls and then out of nowhere he bowls this amazing shot he has a brilliant uh, slower ball uh, because there's no change in his action at all it's the same arm speed you literally see no change in his action and he comes up with this good good length pitching on middle stump slower ball uh hits him in line over to you could see he was not on the front foot he was waiting for the short ball i think he saw that it was not a yorker either because i think if it was like a fuller ball he would have still defended it it was just short of uh, a yorker it was just on a good length and hit him uh, right in the back foot and he was just caught napping i don't think even the umpire believed that it would be lbw so he gave it not out so they immediately went up and reviewed and it was out and he's gone straight away Virat Kohli we're having a look upstairs by to director we have a player review for LBW did it pitch in line you bet it did Bumrah went straight up and hitting the wickets we're going to go back to Richard Onfield change the decision well the brilliance of Bumrah it's just an unbelievable sequence of the game for sure and i'm also seeing uh, the notes here and a few words deserve uh, to be said about Josh Butler so Uh, we have Josh Butler's uh, defensive masterclass. So, do you want to add something uh, to that? No, yeah. Thing? So, yeah, he's known to be this aggressive guy who plays his shots all the time. But for him to uh, score 19 runs of 77 is quite good actually because that tells you he can adapt. 
but then siraj got him with that with with that ball he got sucked in like rahul did in this third test so yeah it was it was a good showing from josh butler but in the end you know it's one of those test matches where i again i so so wanted to watch this live but uh, my, uh, my work commitments didn't let me watch it but i probably watched the highlights four or five times so far so yeah and uh, you know i was one of so we spoke about the optimism hope and stuff but i was one of at least in my friend circle i was not too excited about the lords win uh, cuz uh, the full series was still remaining you know you could not it was too early to call anything but nevertheless winning at lords is winning at lords i mean there is no two ways about it you're away from home and you're you know especially with the kind of performance the game the way the game played out it it you know it worked out to be one of those epic games that went up to the fifth day and it was uh, nail biting for a test game and it sets up for a great series too because uh now england as as we just said england is probably going to win the third test so it's going to be uh one all going into the fourth test most likely so it sets up for a great test series for sure and i'm excited to see how this all turns out so you also wanted to talk about mark boucher and you briefly mentioned this to me uh uh prior so i just wanted to let you take this away because i don't know uh much about that issue and i thought it would be interesting for the listeners to learn it about more about it from you about mark boucher and the south african team so in the wake of the black lives matter movement uh south africa and south african cricket have uh, have been having these hearings they're calling it the social justice and nation building hearings it essentially is uh, it's like an open invitation for any of the minority players mostly the black players to come and talk about their experiences be open about it it it, it is like a forum that is open to all of the uh players to kind of air you know any grievances with regards to their race right so uh, south african cricket has been ever since they came back after the apartheid in 92 uh the history has been the track record has been that it's been overwhelming overwhelmingly white dominated team uh eventually because uh they introduced a quota system wherein they had to have a fixed number of uh, uh black players or non white players uh, in their team but there's still a lot of structural issues when it comes to dealing with uh, you know race and also minority players within the team uh, so there have been a lot of players who have come forward and uh, shared some kind of honestly depressing stories maka antini uh, came and shared of shared a few things as to how he was treated when he was in the south african dressing room i think he spoke about how he used to kind of prefer running back to the hotel instead of taking the team bus because he was not treated as well Paul Adams if you remember the left arm uh, uh, wrist spinner who had that wonderful action that we all try to mimic once in our life at least uh, so he came out and said you know he was treated very very unfairly and very badly and he accused Mark Boucher uh, the wicketkeeper uh, batsman Uh, now retired i think now he's on he was on the cricket south african board i think he might have resigned already uh, so he was he accused paul adams accused mark boucher of calling him some derogatory racist racist remarks and derogatory remarks i think he, he accused him of calling him brown shit i think um so boucher after that came out and uh, released a statement and said yes he did in fact admit that he said that words but as if you know uh, to make things better he said the name did not originate from me but i definitely called him that but it did not originate from me is what he said and he also came with the usual things where he said he was naive he was young and brash and we i didn't know better and all of that so i think the social justice and nation building hearings they are calling it the sjn hearings uh these these are much needed it kind of exposes what 
everybody already know what the structural there are some structural issues within the south african uh, uh, cricket setup uh, graham smith by the way is uh, the d- director of south african cricket right now he's heading the south african uh, uh, cricket body remember graham smith was a white player who was the who was the captain for south africa for a long time so it was under him that there are also a lot of these uh, issues were coming up so it kind of is not a good look that he's the director now and he's kind of overseeing south african cricket when all of these things are happening uh, so it remains to be seen what happens in the future uh, but definitely it exposes some um, very very bad chinks in the armor for as far as south african cricket board goes first thank you so much for educating me on this so i was totally oblivious to this happening and uh, i think it's very important for me and the world in general to actually know about uh, things like this that have happened and uh, racism unfortunately in today's world still remains a problem so and rightfully so it should be addressed and uh, at least by what you're saying obviously we have to see where this goes like you said there is politics also with who's the director and stuff but i would be it would be nice to see you know finally something taking shape and actually causing effect more than most of these things uh, build with steam and then they uh, you know eventually at some point fizzle out which is uh, sad in a lot of sense but i'm also seeing hope because you know premier league for example footballers you still see them kneeling now out of respect for uh, the black lives uh, movement that was started black lives matter movement that was started so you know there is hope and uh, again thanks for uh, educating me on this that this was actually happening yeah uh, there's definitely this culture of uh, othering uh, the the minority players within the south african cricket team so i'm going to recommend a podcast at the end uh, which kind of talks about exactly what happened and what is happening in the world of south african cricket so uh, yeah that i'm sure we'll uh, have more to come on this as well i want to use neeraj chopra's uh, words and say you know sports is meant to bring people together and i think this is cannot be more true any time than today in today's world especially what's happening uh, you know in sport out of sport in our country and stuff like that i think we need a larger unifying uh, you know i don't know agenda or a motive and i think sport does a beautiful job to actually uh, bring people from all facets of life together and actually in fact within the south african sports setup rugby did it great the springboks they they had they had a new coach i think they won a world cup recently and they had a coach who was who made all the right noises from the beginning he said we are going to have black players i'm going to appoint a black player as a captain not because i'm checking a box but he is also fit to be Uh, the captain of the team so he actually from the beginning he he set a very very uh, cordial and unifying tone and that that worked wonders now it's the opposite south african cricket has been doing stuff because they have to and not they want to you know so yeah we'll see what happens hopefully it's probably going to get destructive before it gets constructive but either way as long as it leads to good actions we should be good sometimes you have to force change sometimes and i think it's good to just start no matter how it uh, how the ball is set rolling it's good that it just starts rolling and I, we hope it snowballs into something larger so with that being said let's segue into uh, what we've been uh, excited about for a while now football the season's back the transfer market is hot so gotham just take us through this yeah the transfer market right now is out of control well let's 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 look at what transfers have not been happening right uh, let's start with harry kane harry kane is with the spurs right now he's with tottenham hotspur 
for almost i don't know right from the euros uh, this year there has been talks of harry kane moving to man city man city has put an offer in spurs are not accepting it uh, they they've put a better offer now and now they're not accepting it kept going and going and going i think finally i like harry kane yesterday so that is 25th of august or 24th of august came out and i think he tweeted this and he said he's not going anywhere he wants to focus on uh, focus on helping the club uh, achieve some uh, trophies this season which you know he make you know that's a classic uh, let me talk to my agent first okay here's your here's your text that you want to put here's the picture that you have to put for the tweet and here we go let's do it so whatever happened i think the talks fell through the tottenham uh, uh, the club's owner is notorious for you know not letting his players go unless he gets a really really good price so looks like he's not going anywhere yeah and uh, it seemed initially that kane wanted to leave to at least that was my uh, reading of the situation at least that's what things uh, oh, for sure. pointed at and i was surprised because he was also left out of a couple of games but then there was this talk of him recovering there was injury and stuff i'm not sure how true that is was he left out as a punishment yeah. do you have any idea on what no i think it, there are a lot of shenanigans there so i think he said he had a minor niggle head didn't participate in training right so that's like a classic example of a player not wanting to play for the team because he knows that he's either leaving or he's kind of putting pressure on the club to uh, force a transfer so that's you see that all the time in uh, nba basketball where he goes oh i have this uh, have like a nig- minor niggle in my hamstring so i'm going to sit this out when everybody knows that he wants out so that was like i think that was a classic case of a little bit of shenanigans there from harry kane well uh, you know so he's now uh, told us he's going to sit in with the spurs for a while i don't know i have mixed emotions i feel he's 27 28 now i think it's uh, yeah. he's he's at a he's at the peak age i think this is where you know strikers uh, tend to peak you've matured you played seasons you've played all sorts of tournaments I mean he Nuno Espirito Santo is coaching uh, Tottenham Hotspur so that is exciting actually I'm a big uh, fan of him so it's good to see what the uh, coach would do but um, I was expecting Harry Kane to actually leave and get some silverware I think it's time because he's almost had no silverware for for the brilliant man he is and for the gay show he puts on every time he steps on the field him not having silverware is uh, surprising Yeah he's a, he's a really good striker for sure With that being said you know Kylian Mbappe So there is a lot happening on that front. Uh so just to give context, Real Madrid had put in an offer of 160 million euros. It was rejected. Uh, like, hold on, how much was it again? <laughs> 160 million euros. Jeez. And it was rejected. So they went back again with an offer of uh, 170 million euros. And uh, I think now negotiations are happening because I don't I don't think they rejected. But there was a statement from the president, I believe, who said that uh, Mbappe promised to not leave for free. So there is uh, that in place. But there's also the fact that they said Mbappe wants to leave, and they would only let him go for the right price. And there's only one year remaining on his contract, right? Right. So next year, if he leaves, he goes for free. And basically, Real Madrid in January, I think six months before his contract ends, can get him for free. but the offer is 170 million which is actually a very good bait yes. for psg to actually let him go because they spent 180 million euros on paper to uh, pay to monaco but they've only paid i believe 140 out of that so the next 35 odd goes after this renew his contract or sell him so they still you know get some positive uh, you know uh, money out of uh, this transfer with kylian mbappe and he seems to be interested to go i mean he's always i think he's always wanted to play for real madrid so there's no surprises on that front uh, but let's see 
and i think psg is in a, bit, a little bit of a pickle here so all they want to do psg's only only intention right now is to win the champions league and nothing else right all they want to do is win the champions league and nothing else they're going to win the league uh, and all of that doesn't really matter all they want to do is win the champions league so now to win the champions league they have messi now they have neymar and they have mbappe now i think the the dilemma for them is do we let mbappe go and is messi and neymar are messi and neymar on the front with di maria good enough to win us the champions league right Uh, because if if they feel so they can now sell Kylian Mbappe but if they do not if they wish to keep him the the uh, the, the downside is that they are probably going to let him go for free because he's gone either way after this year i'm pretty sure so it will be interesting to see what happens at the end of the day it's it's qatar right is the government of qatar that uh, sponsors the psg i don't think they really care about the money aniket to be honest with you yeah, if they well, want to keep him they'll keep him yeah i think the only thing that maybe stops them is this all financial fair play rules that are uh, yeah but remember they got messi for free for sure they got donnarumma for free they got sergio ramos for free so i don't know how much effect on financial uh, financial fair play will have because they haven't bought anybody so to speak right so uh, it will be interesting to see now real madrid uh, for all of their uh, so called quote unquote financial troubles and uh, what what is the president's name uh, real madrid's president's name florentino perez Florentino Perez, right? So um, he he came out and said, "Oh, we need really need this Super League because our clubs are in danger. Uh, we are in financial peril and all of that. And now they are ready to give I don't know 170 million dollars to Kylian Mbappe. So there you have it. You have to to stay a big club. You have to spend big, even though if you are even though you are in financial peril. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting to see how this would actually play out. Because uh, yeah, I mean, I don't see uh, PSG. Uh, I don't know how I feel because PSG seems like the Avengers, right? They've been assembled to win just one trophy, the Champions League. Like that's the only goal uh, here with this team because I don't think they have a great competition in the French league, especially with the way they are going. They're like a you know it's a one person league, so the Champions League is what is important. And I don't know if Kylian Mbappe believes uh, he would like to stay and win the league with them or go and play with Real Madrid. I don't. I mean, there there are too many variables here yeah. to play. So with that being said, uh, an honor uh, mention uh, goes to a guy who is coming back to Premier League, Romeo Lukaku. So he's been back with Chelsea for a good one thirty-five million. I think that was the amount uh, that they paid for him, and he did torment Arsenal at least half worth that amount uh, in the last game they played because. He just toyed around with their center backs. Like he's physically so strong. I mean, Arsenal just seemed to be, and uh, it's more than that. We'll go into the maybe uh, spend a couple of minutes on tactics of Arteta and stuff like that. But just a, I wanted to have, give two words to Romelu Lukaku because he seems to have uh, entered the league on a good game. I don't know if it's going to go on like this, but he's really <laughs> seemed to dominate the Arsenal defense. He had an amazing game, and now he's not only physically stronger than anybody; he's quicker than before, ever before. and if you looked at his go- if you saw his goal just the just the way he was running behind running past those defenders kind of bullying them out of the way oh man he was he, and his, his hold up play is just a uh, legendary anyway he just gets the ball holds it up holds it up waits for everybody to uh, run past him on the right and the left and tries to he's a great distributor of the ball too but yeah man arsenal i think is oof, i don't know where arsenal is I, i don't think we should call they should even be in the top 5 or the top 6 anymore well they are not So I think uh, that's uh, how it stands and yeah it's sad to see a club like that but at this point this is when I really respect what uh, Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger actually did for their clubs you know 
uh, at least in Wenger, people were like really after him to, you know, send him out. He's too old. But now when you think about the team he actually assembled and he competed continuously for the top four spots. They played with Nicholas Bentner as the lead striker at one point of time. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to give it to that guy that, you know, whatever he did, uh, he got them on the top four Champions League spot year in, year out. And this is where now in hindsight, I think it's going to be much kinder to Arsene Wenger. Than we While at the same time, not uh, spending more, you know, there's always been, ever since the Emirates came about, the stadium, uh, the Kronkies are notorious for not spending as much, right? They also own the Denver Nuggets, by the way, in the NBA. They they are not big big money spenders. So he had to kind of work within a budget. He was not uh, in a position to spend extravagantly to get all these players. So even with those resources, he managed to get Arsenal into the Champions League almost every season. He kind of eventually, uh, you know, uh, his time was up at the end, in the end. But I think while he was there, I think people kind of failed to appreciate him a little uh, more than, you know, than what he got. But that's how uh, fandom works sometimes, right? So, you don't win a trophy, it's probably a lost season. I mean, he was driving a Fiat in the Formula 1, you know. So, he, I think he got the best out of uh, the, you know, 22, 25-odd players he had uh, with him at his disposal. So, yeah. With that being said, so I also want to briefly talk about, I don't know, if, did you follow the La Liga? Did you see anything in the La Liga this week? Uh, so, I was not able to watch anything in the La Liga. I know it's on ESPN now, by the way. Yeah. Sorry, we had a lot of American uh, sports TV talk here. I think ESPN struck this deal with La Liga, obviously, because the Messi and Suarez were there and now Messi has gone to the French Liga. So, it's kind of a raw deal for them. Yeah, I mean, seriously, uh, all these deals, even there's this new capital firm that invested in the La Liga. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's troubling times for La Liga, you know. They've lost huge players, Cristiano Ronaldo, Neymar, Lionel Messi. Now, if Mbappe comes, maybe that is some form of an equalizer, I don't know, but we'll see. But it's it's been a league that's, uh, you know fluttering here and there even in competitions and stuff you're seeing the big clubs but I I saw my team Barcelona play and uh, we somehow put our leg on the ball and got a goal Memphis Defy got, uh, Depay got us a goal and drew with Atletico Bilbao so that was one game the other game was very exciting was Real Madrid was Levante so uh, it was 3-3 a crazy draw and a 85th minute goal uh, by Vinicius Jr so yeah, that was uh, something I just wanted to talk about because yeah, don't don't sleep on uh, don't sleep on uh, both of these uh, players that you mentioned. Vinicius Junior is pretty good. He he he's kind of goes under the radar a little bit because he's very young and ob- young and obviously Real Madrid and both Barca has these bigger stars. But Vinicius Junior is pretty good. And also Memphis Depay, he's found uh, he's found his uh, mojo back. Man, he's really good with. Uh, uh, with Holland, what team was he? What club was he in? Remind me again before uh, he moved to Barcelona. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. I can, I can, I can check real quick. But but he's really uh, found his uh, uh, rhythm back because he he was kind of out in the doldrums before. I remember he was in uh, Van Hal got him for Man United because Van Hal, the Dutch uh, coach, he really likes uh, getting Dutch players on board. So he, Memphis Depay struggled when he was in uh, Manchester United. So he was in Lyon before Barcelona. If that's where he found he found his form back, and he had these really good uh, goal scoring seasons. So yeah, don't sleep on both of these guys. Uh, Memphis Depay is going to be good for Barcelona. He's probably going to again not get as much attention as uh, the big players do, but you know, La Liga is still not a bad league to watch. 
For sure, man. I mean, uh, I want to shout out to Ansu Fati, who's the youngster in Barcelona. Yeah. I don't know if you guys haven't seen him. Go check him out. He's a 16, 17-year-old guy. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, he's just back from injury. So that's very exciting. There's Pedri in the Barcelona team, who turned out to be a superstar, at least for Spain. Uh, and, you know, even Barcelona. He was amazing so, in the Euro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there is exciting uh, things happening in both those teams. Uh, so La Masia is doing... Okay, I mean, we are not too bad, yeah. Yeah, that that's what Real Madrid has to try to do also. Just cash in on Vinicius Jr., try to get recruit just some young folks. They have the they have the scouts. They can spend the money on scouts instead of spending, I don't know, 180 million on Mbappe and trying to get him and then go further deep into the hole, you know. So, we'll see what happens. But again, it's great to have uh, club football back in our lives every weekend. It's, it's always fun to follow football. For sure. And, uh, you know, I would like to take this opportunity... Uh, to reach out to the subscribers, listeners, and let them know to, you know, we are not experts in any sport or every other sport as well. So please reach out, share your love for sport uh, with all of us. At least me and Gotham have ears that are waiting to listen to any new insights that come in. So reach out to us at contact at com with NL playoffs in your subject. So the mails get to us and uh, yeah, just reach out and say hi. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, we, we are very excited that uh, some of you are writing into us also. We actually, as I said on the top of the show, we actually have, hopefully are going to have a subscriber on next episode uh, once the US Open is done. So we're looking forward to have as many subscribers on this podcast as possible. All we need is to talk to more people and learn more about how they watch sports and what they know and, you know, get some more insights from them. Uh, do subscribe to News Laundry. Go to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button. Uh, that's how me and Aniket met. That's how I met a lot of I met a lot of uh, uh, really smart people who are willing to engage and very open. Um, the the organization is extremely open to any feedback, any suggestions. They always have an open dialogue going. So please do subscribe to newslaundry.com and please help to keep news free. Um, let's move on to recommendations, Aniket. What do you have? So I want to do a recommendation on football so i was watching this uh, docu-series called this is football and it's i saw it on amazon prime maybe you can find it on other streaming services but it was uh brilliant it started brilliantly and i liked uh, what it had so it starts with the rwanda genocide and how the hutu tutsi uh, genocide actually happened and it talks about the love for liverpool of that country and how it brought the country together actually so, and that's the first episode. It slowly goes on to the Iceland national team. So we saw the Iceland national team in Russia in action of how they're, uh, they don't have a league of their own. And their uh, head coach was a part-time dentist, I believe. So, you know, it was a very inspirational story. So they cover various assets, aspects of football, sorry. And they go from the women's uh, soccer uh, uh, team in the US to all the way to Iceland national team. So it was a very interesting docuseries and I would recommend uh, people take a look at that. I have three recommendations. Uh, the first one is, it's a repeat recommendation. Please go and watch Ted Lasso, the show if you can. It's on Apple TV. It is a really well-made show. Uh, it's very funny. It's very quirky. Uh, Jason Sudeikis is in it. It's it's very good. It's it's ba- it's based on uh, an American high school coach who goes to England and tries to teach uh, football or tries to coach football to a professional team. So it's very interesting. It's a very feel-good show. Definitely watch that out. The other one is, I know we spoke about uh, the, S- the South African cricket and uh, 
various issues they're having in terms of race. So do check out uh, The Red Inker with Jared Kimber. That's a podcast. And he had Lungani Zama. He's a cricket journalist. Uh, the episode is called The South African Othering with Lungani Zama. It's The Red Inker podcast. So do check it out. Gives He gives you a good context of exactly what's been happening over the years and what is the situation now. Uh, and the final one is check out another podcast called The Final Word with Adam Collins and Jeff Levin. This is also a cricket-based podcast. Uh, this episode is titled Cricket and the Taliban. So they actually talked to a journalist, Afghanistan journalist, uh, who literally escaped uh, the night before they recorded the podcast from Afghan- from Kabul. Uh, and they talk in terms of, uh, from a lens of cricket and what that means uh, moving forward now that the Taliban has taken over there. So do check that out. All right, uh, we will definitely uh, hope to have some more subscriber engagement, guys. As I said, please do write to us. And until next time, uh, Aniket, thank you. We'll see you all in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. 